0: I would invite you to find your Bibles. If you have them close by, uh, they'll walk the aisles and bring one to you if you need one. We are going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'll remind you next weekend, it's turned upside down. Uh, If you have it in your your worship guide to take home with you to remind you, you'll see it all over uh, social media. It'll be on our website. But next weekend, no Saturday night, no regular worship on Sunday morning, 930 and 1130. And I will tell you, I don't care what age you are, you will be blessed by our children as they lead us in worship. It's going to be fun. It's going to be meaningful. There will be huge live camels in the building, smelly but pretty cool. And so you're going to be a part about that. And then on, on Monday, Christmas Eve, again, one, three, five, and 7, uh, 1, 3, and 5 in here. And we just look forward to being part of your Christmas celebration. If I were to receive a message from heaven, that this is the last ever message I could teach about the incarnation. Now, I guess I better stop there. because I know some of you, when I say incarnation, you go, incarn what? That's a Latin word. And your message notes, literally, here's what incarnation means about Christmas. It means God became flesh. That God put on flesh and blood, covered himself in skin, and lived on the earth. That's the incarnation. If God told me that I only had one more opportunity to teach about the incarnation, this is the message I'm convinced that I would teach. And this is the text from which it would come. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5 he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In my opinion, this text carries the weight of the incarnation and really what happens at Christmas more than any other text in the Bible. Now, I want to invite you, those online, True Worth, those in the house, I want to invite you to kind of go back to a time, your most recent time, when you saw or you held a freshly born baby. You have to have a heart of stone to not melt. When you see those fresh little fingers and those fresh little toes on a brand new human being, Dallas and I have three sons. I remember the birth of all three of them like it was yesterday. The oldest, it was 38 plus years ago. And it was like it was yesterday. And I remember being overwhelmed with feelings of love. I also remember being in awe of the miracle of this thing called birth. And how a baby could come into existence and be born. Now, some of you here, I'm going to trust most of you here, have taken biology 101. And you know that babies start out as an embryo. You started out as an embryo. But do you recognize that an embryo is half the size of a grain of sand? You started out as an embryo. Our three sons started out as embryo. They came out nine months later as little miniature people. Before Jesus was an embryo, he was something big. Before you were an embryo, you were nothing. You were a gleam or a hope in your parents' eyes, but literally, you were nothing. Before Jesus was an embryo, he was the second person of the Trinity, All he had known was eternity past. In fact, in your notes, literally, before he was an embryo, Jesus was equal with God. It says here in the Scripture, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality being equal with God as something that he would hold on to or he would use. Now, Often these days, and I'm very thankful for this, often these days, God has given me opportunity to visit with people who are struggling with faith. And boy, I'm so grateful that you're here if you're someone who's struggling with faith and you're not sure if you believe in God or or this whole Jesus thing. Uh, It's one of our joys is to build a relationship with you. And you can hang out here and wrestle and question and struggle all you want to. And sometimes while I'm having conversations with people who are unsure about their faith, they'll say, well, isn't Jesus nothing more than an assistant to God? He is like the vice president who has an office in the C-suite. He is a junior partner in the firm of the Holy Trinity. In other words, Jesus, isn't he like the backup quarterback? Isn't he like the guy that comes out of the bullpen when the starter can't finish the job? And the scripture doesn't teach that at all. The scripture is very clear. Jesus is a full member of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Equal in every way. Now that means when you're doing your Bible reading 15 to 20 minutes like you do every single morning, right? I know you do. 15 to 20 minutes every day. And when you get to find the chapter in Isaiah chapter 6... And you read about these thousands of angels hovering around the throne of God, just worshiping God, singing, holy, 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 holy are you, God. They're not just singing to God, and they're not just singing to the Holy Spirit. They're singing to Jesus, too. Genesis 1, 26, it goes like this. And then God said, let us, emphasis on plural, us create mankind, humanity in our, plural again, our own image. Jesus was with God in the beginning and the creation of everything. Everything. I love what it says in Colossians 1:17. It says, Jesus was before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Now, what is the point? Not only was Jesus equal to God, he had in his hand all of the resources of heaven. So if you leave heaven and you come to earth as an embryo implanted in the dark womb of a 14 or 15 year old teenage girl, I think it's safe to say, excuse my my kind of phraseology here, that's a heck of a demotion. In your notes, incarnation day for Jesus was demotion day. When Jesus took on this, this assignment, he lost a little stature in the world. Let me ask you something. How do you respond in your life when you lose a little stature? How do you respond in your life when you experience a little demotion? I was flying on a commercial airlines and I was fortunate enough to be on the front row of the economy class right behind the curtain that special curtain that separates the holy of holies <laughs> called first class, where you get the warm nuts, right? <laughs> and I felt pretty privileged about sitting, that didn't happen very often, sitting on that front row. And sitting on that row, being proud about God. I was on the front row just right on the other side of that curtain. I got to see everything that happened before they closed that curtain. And they had a little mix-up in the tickets. And the flight attendant asked a guy sitting on the back row of first class to actually move back three feet one row and sit in the same row as me. Now, I'm telling you, this guy blew a gasket. He had a fit. He let everybody know he was never, ever flying that airline again. In fact, I know he knew the Bible pretty well because he, he told the flight attendant where she was going after she died. <laughs> and uh, he came back and sat by me, and boy, howdy, he was just in a huff, upset, angry, bent out of shape. He said, I know I deserve to be on the other side of that curtain. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's where I'm supposed to sit. I'm better than this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this will never happen to me again. Now, let's be honest. That's how most of us are. None of us really like when we lose a little stature and we have a little demotion. If you're a part of an organization, any kind of organization, where you work, where you serve, you're a part of something in the community, and if you get demoted, what do most of us do? We leave. We leave. If you make a reservation at your favorite table, at your favorite restaurant for a very important day and you show up at your appointed time and the table's not there for you, most of us will spin our heels and we're out the door. You go to the rental car counter, you arrive at your destination, you've reserved a full-size car they say, sir, sorry, we're out. Will you take a mid-sized car? I want a full size car. We don't have any. Will you take a mid-sized car? You slide the contract back across the desk, and you walk down the aisle, and you take your business to someone else. I really don't know of many people in this world who take any kind of demotion lying down, who like it who will accept it. yet the Scripture says right here that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used or grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. Unbelievable. I just wonder how many of you, if you had in your hand, in your grip, In your grasp, all the resources of heaven, all the power of heaven, all the splendor of heaven, the unity, the utopia, the perfection of heaven in your life. How many of us in this room, watching online, true worth, how many of us would willingly open our grip and let it go? Almost 20 years ago now, Dallas and I had finally saved up enough money and enough points to take our our family, which is a family of five, three boys and us, on a vacation to a beach destination, Cancun, Mexico, to an all-inclusive resort. And the all-inclusive was the big deal because that meant that our sons had unlimited access to food. (laughs) And that is so important to boys when you're going on a trip. And to our pocketbook. And so, man, they were jacked up. They were so excited. And you know how sometimes you go on these vacations and the brochures kind of oversell what you actually experience? You know that? Well, man, this was not the case. The brochures didn't do it justice. I mean, the ocean view was incredible. The zero line gravity kind of pool you hang out. Oh, it was just fantastic. It was beautiful. And they were so excited. So we show up, we go to the counter to go get our room, and they're out checking out the place and dousing out the counter. And we say, Reservation for Owen, please. And they look and they say, "Uh, Oh, sorry, sir, ma'am. We have no reservation under Owen. Could it be another name? I said, No. No, I don't think so. I think it's our name, Owen. Could you, could you please check again? I'm, I'm sure it's there somewhere. And so they go and they check again. And they go, uh, uh, sir, ma'am, uh, I'm absolutely certain we have no reservation for you. I said, uh, listen, I'm certain it's there. We made the reservations. My wife. It's been a while. It's there. I know we're, we're here. We're, we're ready. Just just fine. Well, they go and they look and look and look and time is passing. The boys are out. Are that? No, sorry, not yet, guys. Just kind of keep... Stay awake. Just shoot, 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 shoot. You know, let's take care of this. And come back and say, sir, uh, there's been a mistake. Uh, well, What is that? Uh, your reservation is for next week. I said, no. <laughs> we said, no. Uh, we, no, we got the stuff. We got the tickets. We got the reservation. The, oh, I, here's the clarification. The, uh, no, no. And I, in fact, said, we are not leaving this desk. And there's a line behind me getting longer of unhappy people. Until you have a room for five people, not leaving. <laughs> Leaves. Time is passing. It's two and a half hours in. The kids are getting really restless. I mean, they're getting restless. What's happened? We're going home. We don't have a room. Oh no, no room in the inn. This is not working. Blah, 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 blah. Ah! And they come back with the manager and say, Sir, Listen, I'm so sorry. I guess this was our mistake, but a miracle's happened. We got one room left, one room left, and it's dirty. It's not been cleaned yet, and we've not, I can't, I don't have time to take you to see it. Oh, but, so you just got to make a decision right now. I mean, quickly, will you take it or will you not? I said, let me pray about it. Okay, I just did. We'll take it. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly God answers prayer when it's an emergency. We'll just take it. You know, and so we had no idea what it was look like. We wanted a room for five, that at least a room for a cot to be in, because we have three boys, and we're going to toss a coin competitively see who slept in the cot. So we missed making sure, so we could start looking for the room. Now the keys, on for our keys. Really weren't matching up for most of the keys in the room, and we had a hard time finding our room. And so we're searching, walking all over the place, hauling our luggage. You know how that little deal can be. And the boys are getting so, oh, Dad, are we gonna have a view of the pool? Are we really gonna? uh, Are we gonna have a view of the ocean? Uh, Are we still gonna get the little bands? Are we gonna get all the free food? Are we? Are we gonna be back in the servants' quarters? You know, the closet? Are are we gonna have a TV even? Are we gonna have ESPN? We had no ESPN. I mean, that was like. Vacation to go have ESPN. And so uh, my answer to every one of them was, I don't know. And you know how parents have eyes in the back of their head? The kids were rolling their eyes, going, This is gonna be the worst vacation ever. And I'm going, This might be the worst vacation ever. You know, I mean, my gosh, where are they gonna put us? We finally found our room. And when we opened up the doors, we stepped in, we were just speechless. It was a 3,000-square-foot penthouse. It had an L-shaped balcony on the 10th floor overlooking the whole resort, the the, the pools, uh, the ocean. I mean, it was magnificent. It had these big old huge square, elegant marble tiles. One little area had carpet. When you stepped in the carpet, it was so lush, it sucked the feet, your shoes off your feet. I mean, it it just sucked it off. It was so deep. I mean, there was artwork everywhere. There was sculpture, no vases, vases. I mean, we're talking a high-end luxury sort of place. I mean, it was magnificent. It had a full kitchen, had a huge dining room table. There was a bedroom for everybody and a bathroom for everybody and a master shower with a circle window overlooking the ocean. It was great. We stayed there five days, and we were rudely interrupted twice a day by the maids and the housekeeping service to clean up after us. We couldn't believe that they would come in here, and they had this entertainment system that was just wonderful. We we only stayed there for five days. Five days. How many days? Five days. And at the end of five days, nobody wanted to go home. When the Owen family goes on vacation, the day four, we're all ready to go home. We can't, we just, we're ready to go home. We're just kind of a four-day sort of person, but nobody wanted to leave. I mean, the TV was so huge, the home theater system with a library of movies and all these channels and stuff you could watch. There was an elevator that actually went to our floor like a ride at Six Flags. Nobody wanted to go home to our dump in Burleson, Texas. I mean, we came as the clampets, but we left suited just fine for that kind of living, let me tell you. It was awesome. You cannot imagine the luxury Jesus left behind. He wasn't there just five days. He lived from eternity past. That's all he had ever known. It's the perfection and the luxury and the beauty of heaven. That's all. All he had ever experienced was tens of thousands of angels just singing worship and praise and adoration to him. Your mind can't conceive how perfect and beautiful and luxurious it is. In fact, the scripture tells us that in 1 Corinthians. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived what God has prepared, what heaven is like for those who love him. And yet, in your notes, Jesus left it willingly. He willingly left heaven planet Earth. Not reluctantly. Nobody forced him. His time didn't run up where he had to go home. He did it willingly. He leaves heaven. He becomes an embryo implanted in the womb of a teenage girl. Can you get demoted any lower than that? Yep. The Scripture says he was born into a filthy stable. Sometimes you and I romanticized the little stable, the little manger scene. There was nothing romantic about it. It was completely and totally unsanitary. It was dirty. It was filthy. The oxen, the animal, the livestock, flies and dirt and grime. They had no shower with the name Jesus on a little blanket given to Mary and Joseph. All they had were dirty old torn up rags. All under-resourced couple could afford to wrap him up to keep him warm. And when Mary got tired, there was no little cute little bassinet, no little cradle that rocked. When she could not hold him any longer, she put him in a feeding trough full of hay drenched with the slobber of oxen. Can you be demoted any lower than that? Yep. See, a couple of days, weeks after, there was a maniacal king, paranoid, named Herod, who put out an edict that all two-year-old boys and younger should be killed by genocide. And so now Mary and Joseph, from the voice of the angel, they take their little baby. And they run for their lives as illegal aliens to live in Egypt. Church, I get it. I share some of the same concerns about our border and all the things about securing and making safe and everything for all the reasons that we all read and hear about. I get it. I just want to say something be careful about how emotionally charged you get up about this issue. Be careful. Because the one that you and I worship, he ran for his life from a government that was trying to kill all of his age for safety. I'm just saying, be careful. Can you get demoted any lower than that? The second person of the Trinity now on the run for your life. Yep. The scripture says right here in verse 7, Jesus took the very nature of a servant. Then in John chapter 13, when they show up in this room to have communion, to have the Lord's Supper, the last supper, the last time to gather together with the disciples, the disciples, no one got the, the, the foot washer kid to come and wash the feet, and the disciples were too proud to do it. The Jewish custom, no foot washing, no meal. And so Jesus himself gets down on his knees, takes off his robe, puts a towel over his arm, a basin, and he washes the dirty, slimy, filthy, stinky, grimy feet of his disciples. Can you be demoted any lower than that? You can't. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee teaching truths from heaven to people who were searching for truth, who were looking for hope. And then people with third-grade educations mocked him and jeered him, made fun of him. And then the people closed him betrayed him. He was falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. They beat him like a common thug. Can you be demoted any lower than that? Yep. The Scripture says in verse 8, "...and being found in appearance of a man, incarnation, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." That the second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is now on a cross shouldering all the sins of the world. The one who had only known sinlessness now had on him all of your sin and all of my sin. And church, my sin by itself is quite a pile. I'm guessing some of you have quite a pile too. All of our sin, the whole world, past, present, and future, on the shoulders of the one who was sinless, who now's on the cross as a guilty, shameful sinner himself. They stripped him. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. They stretched his arms out, put nails in his hands and his feet, And now the one who was the giver of life, who breathed life into Adam and Eve himself, lays down his life. And he says those words, it is finished, and then he dies. Giving up to the greatest tool of evil, death, his blood on the ground For the forgiveness of your sins and for mine. Now, I know what some of you are thinking in the room and online. Some of you online, you may have tuned out already. True worth, you're thinking, Pastor, it's Christmas, and I got some parties to go to. (laughs) And I'm getting all excited about the parties. And uh, in fact, the Cowboys. Play for the division championship at noon against the Colts. Could you lighten up a little bit? I get it. I get it. I get it. For the past two or three weeks, we've been talking about for some of you, it's not going to be a regular Christmas. For some of you, it's going to be the best Christmas ever. I mean, your emotions are going to be off the chart, excited and wonderful. I mean, just all because somebody new at the table, somebody new in your life. For some of you, it's going to be the hardest, worst Christmas, most challenging Christmas ever because of circumstances in your life. And I guess I just wanted you to know, that the very first Christmas, it really wasn't very normal, what you and I call normal. You see, Christmas Day, Incarnation Day for Jesus, was Demotion Day. <laughs> and a few days after that, it was Refugee Day. And then a few demotions after that, it was Death Day. And I guess I just wanted to rock your mind and your hearts one more time. Just one more time before you got all caught up in all the gift giving and the parties and all the fun hoopla, which I hope you enjoyed, go for it, enjoy it. But I was just hoping maybe a couple of you, maybe one or two of you, that you'd, you'd kind of stop and you'd think that when you're driving around in your car, your know, family tradition, look at all the lights, And one of your neighbors has the little manger scene out in front of their house. And you pull over and say, oh, look at the cute little baby. And you see the cute little baby, and it's all peaceful and still, that you would realize that baby did not come from an embryo. That baby came from heaven. And that baby came willingly and joyfully. Didn't have to, but did it anyway for the forgiveness of your sins and for the forgiveness of mine. And I guess I was just hoping that maybe, maybe somebody, when you're out doing your drive thing, and you see the little manger, that somebody, you might actually pull your car over, and you just might stop, and maybe even lean your head on the steering wheel, or on the dashboard, wherever you are, and you would say, Jesus, I just want to stop and say, you are thoroughly awesome, and I cannot believe what you have done for me. I just pour out my praise and worship to you, and I just adore you. God, thank you. Thank you. I guess I was hoping that maybe somebody between now and Christmas might get a quiet spot with God. And you might have a conversation with God. And you would say, you know what, God, for my family this year, it's not going to be a normal everyday Christmas. Not this year. Because this year, I, I am going to stop. And I'm going to pour out all the praise and adoration upon you, I can, for the devotions that you took for me. And I'm going to bless you for each single one, especially the last one where you died for me for the forgiveness of my sins. And church, I just just want to say something to you. I think it would mean a lot to God. If between now and Christmas, you would stop and you would have one final absolute just pouring out of adoration to God, expressing how grateful and how much you love God for what he has done for you. Returning the love to him that he so willingly gave to you through his son Jesus. Hey, one more thing before we have communion. Then we're going to have communion. One more thing. Just one more thing. And here it is. That's a question. How can the purposes of God ever be advanced unless people like you and me do what Jesus did? That is, we take on the very nature of a servant. How could that happen? How will the poor people ever be fed, be helped, have hope? And Jesus loves the poor. Unless you and I rank and file Christ followers, we put a serving towel over our arm, and we love them, and we serve them, and we feed them, and we come to Christmas Eve, and we make our birthday gift to Jesus, we make a sacrificial gift, how how are they going to be fed? Here's how I know this works. No sacrifice, no food. That's how it works for some people in the world. No sacrifice by us, no food. That's how that happens. How are the under-resourced pastors in the world who live in these remote places in the world who need to be equipped and to be trained and be encouraged in very dark places of the world unless you and me who live in a very resource country, plenty of resources, put a serving towel on our arms and serve them and encourage them and equip them by bringing... Our birthday gift to Jesus and playing at the altar on Christmas Eve so that that can be encouraged and equipped and placed in the world you cannot go and you will never see. How's that ever going to happen? And let me ask you another question. How is the wayward man or the wayward woman whose life is a mess? ever going to be redeemed or restored unless you and I get off our busy treadmill and we look at that person the way God loves them, the way God sees them. And when God looks at them, he says, man, I just love them. What would happen if you, 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 everybody here online, you, Say, I'm going to make a commitment to get off my treadmill, and I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to get to know your story. I'm going to, get to know what makes you tick, how you got to where you are today. I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to build a relationship with you. And I'm going to pray for you. And if God opens the doors, I'm going to let you know how much God loves you. And that Jesus left heaven. I mean, he left it all because he loved you to purchase yourself. And the kingdom doors are open to you. You just got to walk in, knock on the door, and walk in. In your notes, last thing. There's the last thing I want to share with you. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing. When Christ's followers become sacrificial servants. Nothing. Here's what I know. A lot of people's salvation and healing in the world, it doesn't happen without someone sacrificing and someone serving doesn't happen. No sacrifice, no servant, no salvation, no healing, no hope for some of our family and friends. Nothing of substance ever happens in the name of God in this world unless rank and file people like you and me put on our serving suit and we demote ourselves and we serve people like Jesus did. But when you do, whew, when you put on your serving towel underneath your arm and you demote yourself to serve another human being and you get low enough to look them in the eye where they're living and you can know their story and God uses you poor get served disenfranchised pastors all over the world get served our youth and our children down our hallways every one of them gets served wayward men and women they come to faith in Jesus (laughs) but it really comes all down to this comes down to this do you just talk a good game about being a Christ follower or have you been gripped by the multi demoted one that you're going to take on the nature of a servant just like he did so others can experience healing when that happens the gates of hell cannot stop God will do through the church I just want to give you a second to get still just a moment to kind of get right get your head right kind of get your heart right what did you hear God say to you this morning what's going on in here in your heart who's coming to mind that you need to serve that you need to forgive that you need to reach out and invite to come with you on Christmas Eve who is it? who you need to call and say hey listen you can come home for Christmas I know we've been at odds together but I want to see you Let's work it out. Who is it? Or maybe some of you, you just want to pour out your heart and thanksgiving to God that your sins are forgiven. You just want to go, whoa, man, it's not going to be Christmas at our house like it always is. It's going to be different this year. Or maybe you're ready to accept Jesus as your Savior, really, for the very first time. Because now you get it. You get how much He loves you. And you just want to say right where you're seated, you know what, i my pile of sin is high. I can't seem to figure it out, God. I need your help. Would you forgive me? And uh, He does. You say that right where you're seated. Just let us know. Stop at the next steps area and let them know that, and they'll say, "Hey, let's have a conversation to help you take your next step, whatever that may be." And God, we pray all this in the name of the One who stood behind the table and He took the bread and He said, "This is My body, broken for you, for your healing." your salvation for your forgiveness for your restoration so this is the cup of the new covenant my blood spilled upon the ground for the forgiveness of your sins past present and future and I think you say this morning when you come to this table whether you're baptized or not member of this church or not you're invited to this table you say this is my table this table belongs to me And I can let anybody come who wants to. And Jesus says, you can come. When you taste this bread and you taste this juice, just remember, I love you. (laughs) And uh, I'll do anything to make sure you know it.
1: Is born in Bethlehem. Here comes heaven. Come on, will you stand and sing it with us this morning? Sinner, wait no more. Love is broken, the side. Sing this together. For darkness yes. reigns no more. Yes. For Jesus is great. celebrate that together right now. Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us. And that's what we celebrate in this season. That you're here in this room, you're here with those of true worth, you're right there with those watching online right now, God. Even as we recognize your sacrifice, Jesus, did it for us. For the unclean the unholy, for the broken, the unworthy, you came. Oh, Jesus, you came for the wounded, for the hurting, for the lost, and for the lost. And oh come all ye faithful Bow before our Savior Come let us adore The one who came for us Glory in the highest Praise the name of Jesus Our King has come you came, And oh, come all ye faithful, bow before our Savior. Come, let us adore the one who came for us. Glory in the highest, praise the name of Jesus. Our King has come.
0: can't wait for Christmas. Uh, I got a theme for some of you. It's going to be like Christmas like you never had before. It's going to have more depth and more meaning. And you're going to teach your kids what it's all about. And it's going to go to a higher level in your home. And uh, I'm just so proud of all the moms and dads in this place and for what you're doing with your children. I want to remind those that are online, hey, we won't see you this time next week. It's going to be 930, okay? if you're streaming 930 three o'clock on Sunday, but we're we'll three o'clock on Monday, we're going to be here, and we want to connect with you two in a very meaningful way. So before we walk out these doors, let's be mindful of why we do what we do, the people we're inviting to Christmas Eve, why we invite them, it's on the screen, let's say it all together with boldness, the purpose of Pathway Church is to glorify God and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can, and how shall we fulfill this purpose? by ministering to spiritual, emotional, and physical needs, by providing Christian relationships in the family of God, by providing the challenge for individual and collective spiritual growth. Together we can. Together we will. Merry Christmas. See you next week.